Well, good morning, church family. My name is Matt, one of the pastors here. It's a joy to gather. And uh, I wanted to start this morning just by sharing this really profound life lesson that I keep discovering over and over again. And it's this, is that life is constantly changing. Anyone notice that? And change can be difficult, right? There, there can be very real challenges to the change in our lives, but I'm here to share with you that change is not bad. Change is not bad. We have four kids in our house right now, ranging from one up to nine years old, and uh, our one-year-old is currently like, I don't want to use the word terror, because that's not true, but like... He's just running around. He's found his legs, and he knows how to get into everything. And so our days are filled with chasing Joseph around, mess after mess, room after room, making sure he's not hurting himself with various objects that he finds. And what we found in our home, that is with the addition of every child and with the changing life stages of these children, life gets incredibly more challenging and more complex. And with every stage of life, we are faced with different challenges and different change that force us to realign our lives because there's no such thing as normal. There's no such thing as stable. Things are constantly changing. I had a phone conversation this week with Ashley Dannenbring, and uh, she shared with me this little insight out of her kids' school curriculum, and this was the insight that uh, blew my mind away, and it says this, is that there are three ways animals respond to change. They adapt, they migrate, or they hibernate. And maybe you're already connecting dots in your own mind of like how that applies to humanity. But I have this like aha light bulb moment as I heard this. I'm like, holy cow, that describes me. That describes us as people. We're no different than animals. We are different than animals. But I've seen this over and over again. When change or challenge comes into people's lives, people either adapt to the new reality They migrate, maybe they just pick up and leave, or they quit a job, or leave a church, or they move, or they hibernate. They go internal, they they isolate themselves in an attempt to insulate themselves from the changes and challenges of life. But here's what Ecclesiastes 3.1 tells us, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And what that means for us is that no matter what change or challenges life brings, there is a purpose in the season you find yourself in. And the changes surrounding your life right now are not bad. But God has purposes in them all. And I think for each of us, especially those of us with young families... The, the dynamics that change in the new realities of our life with the addition of kids or kids going through different life stages, those things are understandable. But what about, what, what about when change happens in the church? Do we have the same perspective? Do we embrace it with the same reality? You see, a healthy church is a church that's constantly changing and growing Not in its doctrine, but in its health and in its reach into the world. 
And our church, by God's grace, has been a story of constant change, growth, and adapting to new normals. We as a pastor team, over the last few weeks and months, have been talking about how we as pastors need to change the way we function because we're not the same church we were four years ago. We can't pretend like we're this baby church plant and operate in such a way that we can just do everything because we can't. And all of us have reached this place of feeling like, wow, I'm pretty tapped out right now. How about you? Yeah, I'm tapped out too. How about you? And everyone's just feeling the crunch. We're in a different place as a church. And for some of you, I want to take you down memory lane. And for some of you, this is going to be a history lesson, okay? So go ahead and throw that first slide up there. So this was um, May, June of 2015, the stage of Mountain View Community Church, our sending church, where they prayed for us and commissioned us and sent us to Loveland, Colorado to start Redemption Church. So uh, the name of the church is still the same, but the little saying underneath, which you can't read, that changed, our logo changed. Uh, There's been some things that have changed, but that was our commissioning day, and we came down to Loveland, Colorado, and we started meeting in homes, which is the next picture there. So we met in Dick and Marcy Furchek's home, was the first place we gathered for prayer and worship and to get into God's Word, and uh, and that lasted. We we went in my home one Sunday, and and we were there a couple Sundays, but that was a few weeks, and then we went to um, Baker's Gate, which is off of 29th. Uh, there and, and we, they let us worship in their building in, on Sunday afternoons free of charge. They didn't charge us any rent and uh, great friends with those guys there. But, but this is us worshiping at Baker's Gate. And then the next picture we have uh, at, that, at the end of our time at that building, we sent one of our founding pastors, Matt Moorhead, and his family to Wilmington, North Carolina, where Matt is currently the lead pastor of our sister church there. And so uh, sending a pastor as a year-old church is a pretty big deal. And uh, we had the privilege uh, and faith-building opportunity of doing that. So uh, you can go to the next one. And here's a picture of us worshiping in the Seventh-day Adventist building. I don't know how many of you remember that, but it's only four blocks north of here. Uh, the Adventists meet on Saturdays, so conveniently Sunday mornings are open, and uh, they let us rent the space, and so that was a, a season of time. And while we were there, uh, this building, some, some things started to happen, and we got word that they, it was for lease and then for sale, and you can go to that next picture. And so we took the church body, there and we gathered in this space as it was the old house and neighborly services building and we prayed and asked God if, if this would be the place he would have for our church family and so as we sought the Lord he miraculously opened doors where we were able to purchase and renovate this facility and the next picture there um, is us in mid-renovation gathering to worship and, and do some updates and then uh, the next picture is us here in this building, if that got in there. Oh, yeah, that's a blurred one. So that was like a pano shot and uh, really distorted there. So um, just look around. So close your eyes. Don't look at that. Just look around. And now we're here in this building. We've been here over a year now. And so the reason I share all this with you is just to, to bring us a little bit to the reality that four and a half years in existence as a church, here we sit with two services 
We've gone from one to 10 small groups. We've celebrated over 50 baptisms. There are many signs of spiritual life and vitality within our church body. But guess what? Things are constantly changing. We are constantly forced to adapt to the new realities that face us as a church. And many of you who've been through this journey with us these last few years have sacrificed an abundance of time, of energy, of resources, so that we could be where we're at today. And you know, if you're anything like me, uh, I'm prone to be like, oh man, remember the good old days? Remember when we didn't have to think about building maintenance? Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> right? There's, these, there's these, uh, these memories of the past that can feel like, oh, those were the days. That was great. That was so awesome. And yet God is doing just as much, if not more so, in our midst today. And for those of us who've been around a long time, we just need to recalibrate our minds and hearts and recenter on what has God called us to be about as a church And how are we each individually committed to continuing to see us be the church that God has called us to be here in Loveland, Colorado? This morning is not going to be your typical Sunday morning message. If you're joining us for the first time, we we are committed to expository preaching through books of the Bible. Uh, But this morning, we, uh, in light of the fall and hitting the reset button on on the the new season that we find ourselves in, I want to take time just to commission us once again about the importance of our need for every person who says Redemption Church is their family. The importance for every single one of us to be actively involved in the life of our church family. We all need to take ownership for this. And I want to compel us from the Word of God as to what that looks like when we do. Because reality, just a little, little peek behind the curtain, us as pastors, we have been scrambling this last month. We have been scrambling to figure out and readjust to what this new normal going into the fall looks like. We've had a lot of volunteers step down for various reasons. We've had leaders step down for various reasons. Not bad reasons, but it just faces us with the reality. And right as we're looking to gear up and to ramp up and to look at this next season, we're finding ourselves with fewer people to come along and help carry the load. And so if you're here and and you're not serving in some capacity, again, on the back of your note sheet, uh, you can email Jeff and we'll get you plugged in somewhere, somehow, someway. There are plenty of opportunities to serve. And we just want to make you as our church family aware of that, that it's been a crazy month. And and we just, by God's grace, we're in a good place right now. uh, But we really do need, uh, we just need help. And we need the body of Christ to be the body of Christ. And so... If you've been here, if you're a member of Redemption Church, if you've been through our membership class, you know that we believe that there are two pillars that every Christian needs in their life to be actively growing, encouraged, and spurred on in their faith. And for us, those two pillars are Sunday morning and our small group ministry called Regroups. And if you're a member of our body, those two things you know, you've already committed to being actively involved in those two contexts on a regular basis. And what we do on Sunday mornings when we gather, why do we gather as a church? Well, we gather to praise God, 
to lift up the name of Jesus, to proclaim the word of God, to come under the teaching of God's word, to pray together as the body of Christ and to partake of communion and to remind ourselves of the gospel in which we have freedom. But the depth of relationship and community doesn't happen primarily here. The depth of relationship and community is built outside of the gathering in what we would have as small group gatherings, which we strive to be places that facilitate the depth of relationship that Jesus both modeled and commands of those who would follow him. They are both a place to birth and build relationships through which we are able to be vulnerable about the struggles we're facing in life, a place to find encouragement, a place to carry one another's burdens, to serve one another, and to put the love of Christ on display. And church family, we're at a point where it's no longer possible to know every person in this church intimately. We don't have the relational capacity to do that. But we do still need to prioritize going deep in relationship with a few people so that we can live out the life that Jesus has called us to live. And if you have your notes, the main idea is simple, yet I believe profound. It's this, is that we must all be intentional in developing and maintaining the kinds of relationships that Jesus commands of his followers. The responsibility of doing this is on all of us. It's, it's, it's something God says, if you are following me, this is what I have called you to be a part of. You see, Christian community is not just a good idea to be engaged in when it's convenient for us. Because I can tell you, with four young kids in my life, it's never convenient to pack up and go anywhere. Ever. Ever. You're like packing the house every time you leave. You're like, we're going to the grocery store. Why do I need to bring the house with me? But Christian community is God's idea through which we experience aspects of the fullness of life that Jesus promises to those who follow him. And I don't want to stand up here and just convince you that this is important. I want the scriptures to compel you to the point where you say, I can't live without this. I can't be a faithful Christian without other Christians in my life. And let me just paint the reality of the Christian life from Jesus' perspective real quick from Matthew 16, 24 through 26, when our Lord and Savior says this, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? A life of following Jesus is a life filled with self-denial, sacrifice, and serving. But Jesus says that this is the life where you find real life. This is the path of life in God and finding true life for your soul. Jesus' invitation to believe in him is also an invitation to come and die. (laughs) That's not what we hear all the time. You want to follow me? Come and die. 
And then I'll show you the way to live. I'll show you the path of life. I'll show you what this is all about. And the gospel message in which we rejoice, the gospel message in which we stand is a message of a restored relationship with God. And we are going to dive deep into the gospel over the next five weeks looking at the profoundness and depth of what God has done and also some of the counterfeit gospels that we see in the world around us. But what we need to realize is that the gospel, bringing us into relationship with God, transforms our relationships with one another so that we live and look different than the world around us. And I've said this before, but if you read through the New Testament, if you read through the commands of Jesus, if you read through the epistles and the instructions from the apostles, you will find something out pretty profound in that you cannot faithfully follow Jesus without intimately being involved with the lives of other followers of Jesus. You can't do it. There's command after command after command of things that apply to us. Even the greatest commandment, right? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. He says they're one and the same. You can't do one without doing the other. And church family, I want to pause right now and, and, and on a positive note, commend you for those of you who've been around because there are so many people in this room that are faithfully following Jesus, that are faithfully laying their lives down, that are faithfully serving and have done so over the last several years to make this church a special place. It's a joy and an encouragement to my soul when I see you guys loving and serving each other. And it's happening all the time. And I know that for all of us, we're in different seasons of life. We have different capacities to be able to enter into the lives of others. But we're called to do the best we can with where we're at because that's what the Lord commissions us to do. And what I want to do is I just want to take some time today to, again, allow the scriptures to compel us once again to the life and the community that God calls us to be as we really restart this fall and as we relaunch our small groups as a church. And let me just start by going, before we go through this list of things in your notes there, by saying this, is this is not an exhaustive list, but I got exhausted in writing this list. And so I came to this place of just saying like, these are the cliff notes of Christian community. This is the highlight reel. This is not all encompassing, but you'll see this is significant for us. And, and something that all of us need to just have our minds and hearts wrapped around so that we can be the people that Jesus has called us to be. All right, so in your notes there, let's get going. It says, healthy Christian community strives to put Christ's love on display. John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus said to his disciples, a new command I give you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So how does the world know we're followers of Jesus? Love. Our love for one another declares the fact that we are followers of Jesus. We live in a world of self-love. Everyone just loves themselves. 
And for us to seek to live in the way Christ did, a sacrificial, self-giving love, man, the world around us is going to look at us funny. We're going to be seen as different. I went out for tacos for lunch with a friend of mine two weeks back. Anybody like tacos? Okay, we can get tacos sometime. You call me. So I go to lunch, and I come to the table right as the waiter's also coming to the table. And this is a good friend of mine. We've served in ministry together for a long time, and we just gave each other a big hug, kind of what's up sort of thing. And the waiter stepped back, and he's like, wow, that is the best bro hug I have ever seen. And we're like, thank you. That is awesome. But that was, that's a small display of the affection that Christ puts in our hearts, that the world notices a simple bro hug that declares the love of God to someone who says, whoa, that doesn't look normal. Everybody doesn't greet people like that. But that's awesome. Our love for one another should be genuine and our love for one another should be observable. And Jesus modeled this love for us to the point of laying his life down. And he calls us to follow in his footsteps. Next, healthy Christian community strives to fight against the deceitfulness of sin. This is a huge one. Hebrews 3, 12 through 13 says, Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Let me give you a news flash. There is not a person in this room who is immune from being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I don't care how long you've walked with Jesus, you are still prone to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin because you and I face the temptation of the flesh from the moment we wake up in the morning. There are things fighting for our mind and our hearts and our affections every day of our lives. And many of those things are destructively deceptive. And here we are told to exhort one another every day. Does that make you feel uncomfortable? That's like, man, you're a little too much up in my business. Like, back out. But here's the command and the commission to be in each other's lives in such a way that we can see and smell when our friends are being deceived and hardened by sin. Do you have people in your life that are close enough to you to know when you're being deceived? And people that love you well enough to call you out when they sense or see it. Not in a condemning way, but in a caring way. In a brother, sister, I'm for you. And this is the start of going down a path of destruction. I don't want you to go down that path. I don't want to go down that path. Let's stay on the path of life together. How can you tell if you or someone in your life is being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin? That's a fair question, right? Well, maybe you have a lack of conviction over some sin. Maybe you're just okay with that pet sin in your life and you've just got used to having him around. 
You no longer care. You no longer are fighting against sin. Maybe you just have an indifferent attitude about your spiritual life. If you don't care about God, you are being deceived by sin, period. That's where you sit. A lot of us may distance ourselves from other Christians because you know what? Sin is equal with darkness and darkness doesn't like to be around light. Maybe you are believing the lies of the world. Maybe you're just being consumed with the stuff of this world. And you're walking in what this world tells you to prioritize. You're believing and seeking the things this world tells you makes you significant instead of resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. You see, we have a responsibility to one another. That's all of us to protect each other from the sin that can so easily entangle any of us because none of us are immune to the deception of sin. Let's go to the next point. In Christian community, healthy community is a place where we encourage and spur one another on. Hebrews 10, 23-25. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The reason I brought in uh, that first verse is for us to realize that the only way we can press on and press into Christian community is because God is faithful. He is faithful. Therefore, we can continue to stumble through this life half-heartedly and half-faithfully because he is committed. And we can continue to hold fast to our hope without wavering as we stay in one another's lives and spur one another on to the love and good deeds that God calls us to be. You know, you are called salt and light. Those are descriptors that that Jesus gives to his followers. And we must encourage each other to continue to be the salt and light that God has called us to be. And the only way we can do that is to be in each other's lives. The only way we can do it is to not neglect up meeting together, not neglect being vulnerable with one another. Let's keep going. Healthy Christian communities also strive to bear one another's burdens. There's a connection here. Galatians 6, 1 through 2. says, Dear brothers and sisters... If another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Here we see that it is possible for believers to get entangled or ensnared by sin. But for those of us who aren't in a place of being ensnared by sin, it is our responsibility to gently and humbly enter into those people's lives, sometimes intrusively, to help get them back on the right path. But did you catch the little caveat? He said, be careful yourself. Be careful. Because you're prone to sin too. 
And if your brother's struggling with a sin, you try to enter in, you might find yourself being tempted by the exact same thing. So be humble, be patient, be gentle, be on guard. The call is to share each other's burdens. And that's how we fulfill the law of Christ. Here's the reality. If you're a believer and you have known sin in your life in a, in a habitual way on an ongoing basis, it is crushing to your soul. And if you're a believer and you're trying to find satisfaction in life in the things of this world, you're not going to find what you're looking for. Jesus actually designed it that way. I remember when I first came to, to faith and, and was started to follow Jesus, all the sin that I once engaged in started to lose its luster. And I would try to go back to the old life just to find moments of joy, and it wouldn't fulfill me. It's the deception. Saying, oh, drink this, it's going to be great, and it tastes good for about half a second in your mouth, and then it hits your gut, and you're like, oh, what is that? And if you've had that experience with sin, that is a gift of God's grace where he makes the deceptiveness of it known to you so that you stop drinking the toilet water. We're called to bear one another's burdens. I was talking to a friend this week and he called me and just said, I had a horrible week. He said, I've been sinful and selfish, self-serving. I've wanted things my way. My attitude has been horrible. My family has, has, has really got the brunt of it. Like, I just needed to call and tell you that. I said, awesome. Not awesome that you've been sinful, but awesome that you're calling and telling me this. Let's pray together, brother. Let's process this. Let's remind ourselves of the gospel Let's remind ourselves of a life of following Jesus and how he calls us to lay our lives down for our wives and our children. You see, here's the thing. Many times I'm the one making the phone call saying, friend, I didn't have a good week. Here's how I've been selfish. Here's how I've been struggling. Pray for me. Pray for me. And I'm so encouraged. There are many of you in this room who come up to me and say, Matt, I've been praying for you. I'm like, thank God, because I wouldn't survive without the prayers of God's people. All of us have burdens, and all of us need to both share those burdens and carry the burdens of others in fulfilling the law of Christ as we go through the various struggles of the different seasons of life and our personal struggles with sin. Let's keep going. Healthy Christian community also seeks to proclaim the gospel of grace. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is good news of identity after we've just talked a whole lot about how we still struggle with sin, right? He's saying, guess what? You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You are God's people. You're not a worthless sinner, 
You are a member of God's family, a child of God, a saint because of Jesus. You have hope in the midst of your struggles. And you have a purpose now to proclaim the excellencies of Christ who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And as community, as a community of followers of Jesus, we are called to encourage one another and pray for those in our lives who are yet to know Jesus, to be intentional about sharing our testimony and the gospel of salvation with those around us. If you are here today and you have put your faith in Christ for the salvation of your soul, that means someone told you the gospel. Someone in your life, maybe it was a mom or a dad, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a youth pastor or a pastor, maybe it was a coworker, who knows? Anyone can share the hope of Jesus. But you can't put your faith in a Savior who you've never heard of. And our call as the church is to put the light on display, to share the hope of Christ, to be a beacon of light in the midst of a dark world. All right, we got two more. Healthy Christian community seeks to become more like Jesus. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Again, our identity. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So our call as the people of God, as the family of God, is to be imitators of God. That is most evidently seen through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ who came and pursued us. When we were out wandering, doing our own thing, God came after us. He pursued us us in love and how did he do it he laid down his life so that we might have life he sacrificed himself so that we would come into the life he has to offer and if you've tasted the love of god if you know the love of your savior you want to share that with other people You want other people to know and to taste and see. And as you lay down your life for the good of others, you imitate God and you become more like Jesus. You see, Jesus' love led him to the cross. Our love for one another is gonna cost us something. There will be a cost, but it will be worth it. And we will become more like our Savior. All right, last but not least, and I I saved this one to the end on purpose because uh, at this point you might be feeling weighty. Perhaps you're like, man, I am horrible at all those things that you just talked about, Matt, and uh, I'm just ready to go home. But let this last scripture from the mouth of our Savior compel you to say this is worth it. It's worth it. In Christian community, we experience the joy of Jesus. John 15, 10 through 11. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. 
Does anyone want to experience the fullness of life and joy that Jesus promises? Every single person on this planet is pursuing joy somewhere. It's just a matter of where you're looking. It's just a matter of what you believe will satisfy you. And Jesus is saying, the only thing that will satisfy your soul is if you share in my joy. And let me give you a little hint. My commands are the path of your joy. Following on my path is life for your soul. You see, the commands of Jesus are given because he knows where life is found. Jesus knows what's best for us. He is not some cosmic killjoy. I don't care how you grew up or what the church said you used to be a part of. The life of pursuing God is a life of joy in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean we're skipping around every day with a smile on our face because life is hard and it kicks you in the teeth. But joy is real. And joy that Jesus gives surpasses your circumstances. Jesus' instructions and commands are for our good and for our joy. And here's the thing. Is that godly relationships with, with, with other brothers and sisters in Christ, they are one of the greatest, most satisfying realities for the Christian. But godly relationships are also the most sanctifying reality for the Christian. Man, this is great. I bear my soul to you. You love and care for me. You're in it with me to the end. But man, you still point out some things that I don't want being pointed out. Ever had that experience? So we're in this constant tension of like, yes, I long for this depth of relationship where I can experience the joy of Christ. And at the same time, I'm terrified of that. I don't want people to see my junk. But Jesus says, hey, this is the path of life. This is the path of joy. He never said it was going to be easy. In fact, he promised the exact opposite. See, we as a church family are never going to arrive in this life. We're never going to come to a place where it's like, man, we got this dialed in. We figured this Christian thing out. We are following Jesus perfectly. We won't get there. But we can imperfectly stumble forward together and bit by bit experience the joy that Jesus promises to those who selflessly follow him. I read a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together, just a short little book about God's call for the Christian community. We actually have it out there on the bookshelf, but uh, we got it up on the screen. I want to read this a couple times, and I want you to think deeply about this. He says, The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. Let me say it again. The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the, purpose, but the person who loves those around them will create community. You know how many people walk into a church with their critical glasses on, looking around for things to point out that don't reflect Jesus. But how ironic is it that the call to love one another and to create the community Jesus calls us to is on everyone who claims to be a follower of Jesus? Isn't that ironic? 
to walk in and to say, oh man, they, I wasn't loved well. Whose responsibility is it to love? It's yours. It's mine. It's everyone's. No exclusions. If anyone would come after me, let him take up his cross. Are you excluded from that? No. You're a part of that. We all have to take onus to create the community that Jesus commands us to create. But we have to believe beyond a shadow of a doubt at the depth of our soul that the path of following Jesus and selflessly loving other people is the only place our soul will find life, joy, and peace. If you don't believe that, you're not going to do it. You must be compelled when you hear the words of Jesus that says, hey, lose your life and you're going to find it. Follow me and you'll share in my joy. If you don't believe that, you are not going to sacrifice a thing. But if you do believe that, you're going to seek a life of laying your life down for the good of other people. Anyone feel that way? Just take a deep breath. (laughs) All right. Well, here's the thing. Circumstances and challenges of our lives are going to change from season to season. We all have experienced that reality. We all know it to be true. But following Jesus should be the one constant as we seek to do life together on this path that Jesus has called us to walk down. And so I don't think I could do uh, any more in the way of trying to convince you that if you are here at Redemption Church, we want you to be deeply involved in the life of this church. We want you to participate and contribute to helping us be the community that God's word calls us to be. And I want to give you a specific challenge that starting next week as we relaunch our regroups into the fall, that you commit to five weeks of participation in a small group that you commit to five weeks of maybe birthing some brand new relationships or building some existing relationships with others in this church body. And as I was preparing this and thinking through this, uh, the Lord just convicted me that I don't tell you as a church family enough that I love you. And I just want to say that. I just want to say, church, I love you. Your pastors love you. We are for you. And we are committed to fighting for your good and your joy and your sanctification. We are committed to helping all of us walk on the path of life in pursuit of Jesus. And thank you for loving us. We as pastors are the recipients of your love often. And we want to thank you for that as well. See, life is too short and it's too important for us to get consumed with the trivial things that take us away from the life of following Jesus together. And it's, it's on all of us to make sure we stay the course. And so would you pray with me towards that end?